We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 71 of the Spurs Up Show, the best Gamecocks podcast on the Internet. We've got a packed show. We're breaking down the Gamecocks game up in Clemson over the weekend, also previewing South Carolina's upcoming matchup with the Akron Zips, also talking a little Gamecocks basketball, some news and notes as well in a packed episode of the Spurs Up Show. your host Chris Phillips, East Thomas Floyd. We are back after a very uh, packed weekend, an interesting weekend, a very fun weekend. Tom, obviously, as mo- most of you know, uh, we had our live show over the weekend. First time the Spurs Up show has ever gone live at Flight Beer and Music Hall in Charlotte, North Carolina. Uh, also streamed it live via Periscope. Um, was an absolute blast. I think I can speak for both of us when I said it was a blast. If you're wondering why it wasn't on iTunes, it wasn't a podcast, um, I kind of made the decision right after to just keep it. We're probably going to do more of those, but most, mostly just Periscope videos because the audio is very choppy. Flight was a very loud place, as we can both attest. But it, either way, um, was an absolutely fantastic time. Definitely, again, want to reiterate and say thank you to all of Gamecock Nation who made it possible. Um, it definitely wouldn't be possible without all of you guys following us, supporting us, um, pushing us to be better every single time we take, we take the air. Um, but yeah, it was an absolute blast. I mean, we obviously had a legendary, legendary conversation with Mo Brown, who is a legendary human being and does an A plus Steve Spurrier impression. I mean, one of the best I've ever heard. But overall, Tom, uh, you know, how was your weekend? How was everything? I know the Patriots got the win yesterday, it was a little, or Sunday. It was a little ugly, but um, you know, overall, how was your weekend? I mean, pretty good. Obviously, we had a great time in Charlotte at Flight Club. It was a, you know, I whipped your tail in some NCAA before. <laughs> Definitely, yeah. that's what happened. But right. um, yeah, anyway, I mean, obviously, we had a great time there. Mo Brown, like you said, had one of the best Steve Spurrier impressions I've ever heard in my life. I wish we need to get that guy on more. That's definitely something that's going to happen. But um, I, obviously, like you said, a, a Patriots win made the weekend a little bit better. It was ugly, but they got it done. And that's really what matters. So I'm here for a W. Yeah, no, I, I'm definitely you, – you make a good point. I'm definitely planning on getting Mo Brown back on the show because, you know, I, I'm sure you saw the clip today we put up on our social media um, of the yeah, the story he told us about Steve, Steve Spurrier in the wide receiver room and just how he interacted with his wide receivers, especially when they are dropping passes. I mean, it was just hysterical stuff. And I, I just feel like, you know, we spent most of the conversation, obviously, talking about the Carolina-Clemson game, but 
where there's one story, I know there's many, many more. So we, we are definitely planning on getting Mo back on the show because, like I said, he is an awesome dude, first off, but an absolutely hysterical human being. So that's definitely in the works. Um, but, yeah, I mean, again, it, it was an absolute blast. Obviously, the game didn't go exactly how we all wanted. We're going to dive right into it. I mean, Clemson gets the 56-35 to win. But, you know, overall, Tom, I mean, definitely some positives to pull from this game for South Carolina. First off, I'll let you just kind of talk about what were your initial thoughts um, of the game on Saturday. I mean, I mean, uh, uh, my voice just cracked three times in a row. I think I went back to being 14 <laughs> for a second. But um, uh, overall, I mean, the thing is, I didn't have a lot of expectations going into this game. I figured that we would, you know, fight for a quarter or a half maybe and keep it close at halftime and just get they Clemson will pull away in the second half. But and not in a million years would I expect us on that opening drive to re receive the ball and just go down the field, you know. It seems like we were just popping off 10 to 15-yard plays and then – you go down and Jake Bailey makes one of the best throws of his career for a touchdown right over Zach Bailey's head for the Debo Samuel for six on the first drive. And I'm like, all right, we came to play. Like, this is a different South Carolina team that showed up. I mean, I guess I'll start offensively. Offensively, I think that was probably our – I would have to say our best game of the year. When you do that to what is supposed to be the number two defense in the country in, with Clemson's defense, I think they're obviously – their stats are a little going to be overrated because of the, the competition they play in the ACC and how down the ACC's been this year. But – um. Offensively, I don't really think there was much more you could ask for. Jake Bentley definitely got screwed this week with not being SEC player of the week at quarterback or Robbery. anything. Pure yeah, I mean, he, I think Muschamp said it that he was the first quarterback in Power 5 history to throw 500 yards against a top five team. Like, that's never happened before in, in the history of college football. But he didn't. He wasn't deemed worthy enough to be SEC player of the week, which is kind of stupid because we are Alabama is what Muschamp basically was pointing at, the fact that we don't have the name brand they do. But – and then Debo Samuel got screwed, too, and offensively. I think he had, what, 210 and two touchdowns, Chris? I could be wrong three, there. Three touchdowns, three. 10 catches for 210 yards, three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, overall, both of them had an electric game. Debo Samuel boosted the absolute crap out of his draft stock with that. He had a stellar performance. Um, I mean, offensively, too, it was good to see the um, – the, I can't think of what they call it, but the formation where two offensive linemen line up like – Yeah, it's like Emory, Emory and Henry is the actual name. D Dabo yeah. Sweeney called it the ninja formations, which I thought was yeah. pretty funny. But Emory and ninja. Henry is the, the – that's that's basically what the formations call. I mean, there's a ton of different names. but I mean, it was it was definitely good to see that back because, you know, we used it early in the year against Tennessee – Kentucky, no, it was not Tennessee. Kentucky. Kentucky. We used it against Kentucky earlier in the year, and it was just good to see it back. Obviously, I thought that, that was something they were going to go back to at some point. But, I mean, I don't think – I mean, you're two – you're five yards away from being – putting 49 on Clemson in Death Valley with that supposed to be one of the best defenses in the country. Like, I don't, I don't really think there's much else to say about that. But um, moving over to the defense side of the ball, I just think that with there being so many people out, it was hard to it, – it, Obviously, I don't think South the South Carolina get a stop the entire night, other than that fumble recovery. I don't think. I, I don't. Like, I think maybe one other stop, but other yeah, than that, I think, yeah, I think, I think Clemson punted, punted once and they fumbled one time. That was it. That was the only two times South Carolina didn't force them to not score a touchdown. But um, I mean, when you're playing, I think Muschamp said there were six freshmen in the game at sometimes, which is that should never happen, regardless of like what your program's at, anything like that. There, you should not have six freshmen on the field at just one time. I think that the depth obviously is a concern for this game, next game against Akron. But against Clemson, you could obviously see that, I mean, just we just didn't have the guys, basically. You, I would say there were three or four guys who probably didn't come off the field the entire game. And, you know, 
and a, a guy that I don't want to, I don't want to have it like you know tear him down. But I feel like Rashad Fenton had one of the worst games of his career when he, if he just stepped up and maybe picked the ball off, that's that's a game changer. But I mean, he's supposed to be Rashad Island. I mean, Fenton Island. He's supposed to be nobody's supposed to come to him. And I swear it seemed like T Higgins exposed him three or four times. But I don't know. I don't know where he was at Friday night. I felt like. I thought we were just overmatched really depth-wise. We just didn't have the guys to sit there and line up and go head to head with them. I think watching Clemson play offensively, I mean, they have three of the – seem like three of the best receivers in the country – or two of the best receivers in the country, and then Travis Etienne or Justice Ro- Justin Ross and um, Tiggins, I think, are absolutely dynamic. They're lightning fast. It seems like you can just make plays on people. But um, And then you have Travis Etienne, one of the best backs in the country. And I definitely think that having those guys around Trevor Lawrence helps him a lot. I think that obviously he's a good quarterback. But, I mean, when you have three of the – you're going to have three guys right there beside you who are probably going to be in first or second round picks in the next three years. So, I mean, it's easy to be really good when you have a ton of other – a ton of – a lot of other NFL talent around you. But um, other than that, I don't think there was much to say defensively. I mean, you can't really do much when you're playing six freshmen at one time and other guys who are juniors and seniors aren't really giving you what you expect. But um, other than that, defense. Oh, well, I would say for Clemson's offense, how about Trevor Lawrence staring down Muschamp after throwing the that second touchdown he threw? Yeah, that that was absurd. Now I, yeah. I thought that was a little ridiculous. I mean, my thing is, and I saw somebody else say this on Twitter, so I don't know who it was, but I'm basically <laughs> copied off of them. Is that Muschamp did nothing but praise Trevor Lawrence all week, and then yeah, you throw a touchdown in South Carolina, and then you stare Muschamp down like, what even is the point? Like, he did, it's not like he went out and said like he's an average quarterback. He didn't go say that. I mean, he could have, but he didn't. It's just as ridiculous to me for him to act like that. And then, obviously, there's been the controversy, and I'm sure we'll talk about this at some point on the podcast, about Dabo not taking a knee when there was, like, 50 seconds on the clock or whatever it was. I've been on both sides of that. I don't really know what to say. I think it was – I mean, it kind of sucks to a point for us because we're on the receiving end of it, but we're from the opposite side. I'm sure a lot of fans wouldn't care. And I just – I don't know. I don't agree with it, and I don't think you should do that, especially when the defense you're going up against is extremely gassed and has 20 freshmen, it seems like, has been played that night. But – um. I don't know. I didn't really agree with that. But, I mean, special teams, Debo really didn't do much on kickoffs. But, I mean, it's kind of hit and miss. It seems with those games, either he's taking him back to the 50 or he's getting hit at the 15. I don't really think there's much of a difference there. But we obviously didn't have to punt a lot. I don't think Joe Strauss maybe punted twice, I would think, if mm-hmm. that. So, yeah. I mean, that's you're having a good game when you're not bringing your punter out. But um, overall, I mean, my expectations were very low for this game. So, they hit them and went above. And I think next year we're probably going to – if we have a defense for that game, we'll beat Clemson by two touchdowns there's no doubt in my mind thomas floyd on the soapbox <laughs> tom tell yeah. us how you really feel um, i mean it's true that okay let me just say something for if they're close fans listening to this you're losing your best forward yeah you're i doubt it anyway but maybe close to time throw us some love but you have your four best players on defense are going after this year and the guy that's supposed to be the next guy is Xavier Thomas, and Dylan Wanham shut him down. He didn't do anything. That's what I would be. I mean, that's one guy I'm extremely proud of is Dylan Wanham. I love the way he played. Yeah, but, I agree. But shut Xavier Thomas down really and truly. Austin Bryant didn't do a whole lot against him. Neither did Cleveland Farrell. I think him and I think him and Dennis Daly probably had the best games of their careers. But I just, I mean, you're losing your best four defense players, and we really should have put 50 on you in Death Valley. So what do you think is going to happen next year when we're playing in Columbia? And you're losing a bunch of players, and Bentley's back. I'm sure we're losing Devo, but our receiver core is one of the best in the country, and they're going to continue to improve next year. I mean, losing Devo is going to suck, obviously, but I think there's room for improvement. And I think overall we're going to be a lot better football team. I think Clemson is only going to decline next year, and especially if Clemson loses Fred Venables to Texas Tech, which would be – in my opinion, the start of the fall of the Clemson football program. And add me if you want to, but I'm pretty positive that's what's going to be incoming to Brett Mumbles' leads. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'll, uh, you know, I, I want to start where I think we are, we should start, and that's a tip of the cap to Jake Bentley. Um, yeah. What he did Saturday, you know, not even so much. Obviously, the numbers speak for themselves. I mean, you throw for five hundred ten yards, five touchdowns. He had the one pick, but I mean, we I think I can I think we can all deal with maybe one bad throw a game. But, and I mean, he misses uh, a linebacker, and that's all that really happens. And you right. Just, Anyway, 510 yards, five touchdowns, the most a South Carolina quarterback has ever thrown for against Clemson. Um, he was obviously threading the needle all night, hitting guys in stride. His receivers played really well. But, you know, I talked about last week what I was really hoping to see because nobody was – and, Tom, credit to you. You know, somebody asked on Twitter, I think Brad Crawford asked on Twitter, did anyone pick a close game for this game? And you were one that picked it. You picked 38-28, so kudos to you. Um, but – you know, I talked about some things last week that I really needed to see, just that a team that had matured in the sense they could come out in a hostile environment, handle the environment, and go toe-to-toe, and at least show some fight and show us something. And I didn't know what the score margin would need to be or, you know, have those answers, but we knew what we needed to see. And I think that we saw it on Saturday night. Um, I know that it's a 21-point loss. No one is happy with a 21-point loss, although – Clemson fans will try to tell you that South Carolina fans are. I don't think that's the case. But if you're not a, if you're a South Carolina fan and you're not encouraged watching that performance uh, that you saw on Saturday night, that, that performance to me on Saturday night gives South Carolina fans hope that, you know, Will Muschamp, the biggest knock on Will Muschamp has been <clears throat> his offense, is that he cannot figure it out offensively. His teams don't score enough points. Um and that's how he gets beat. That's just not the case anymore. I think that narrative has about run its course and has run out. As long as he can keep Brian McClendon on staff, I mean, you know, you return a senior quarterback next year is a good chance. You return most of your offense uh, next year as well. Um, so I think, again, that narrative has run its course. And I think most South Carolina fans and most people believe that Will Muschamp can get his guys on defense and get that defensive side of the football turned around. The thing, like I said, with Jake Bentley, I was so happy to see was his demeanor, the way, like you said. I mean, I don't think anyone – I don't think anyone would have expected Jake Bentley to just calmly lead the offense and South Carolina to methodically drive down the field and score a touchdown in their opening possession. I mean, that was one of the best South Carolina drives of the season, in my opinion. Uh, just from – from take, just taking a look at the entire drive. That, the big third downs, it had a little bit of everything. I don't know if you saw this, Tom. That, that – that third and goal, the touchdown, reminded me – it was eerily similar to the touchdown against NC State last year in the game over where Debo – it was a blitz up the middle. Debo runs the slant, and Jake Bentley just finds a way to get it to him, and Debo scores. That play call was very, very similar to me. But just the way that Jake Bentley, the maturity that he showed, the ability to finally come out in a big game. We said this would really be the point where he needed to do it because he's been playing so well. I mean, we talked about he's been playing the best football of his career – and this would really be the time. I mean, if he's ever going to do it, if he's ever going to kind of break that hex of I can't play good in a big game, I can't show up in a big game, I think he ended that on Saturday night. I, I think he put that to bed. Obviously, South Carolina did not win. He didn't win that big game. Um, but he single-handedly kept South Carolina in that game. I mean, again, the 510 passing yards, five passing touchdowns. I mean, those, those numbers speak for themselves. And like we're talking about, against – Obviously, their, their, their stats may be a little skewed because their schedule sucks. They don't play anybody, really. Let's just call it like it is. Um, <clears throat> but, but Clemson's got four legit guys up front rushing the passer. And, you know, we obviously talked about their secondary was something that the, the Gamecocks could expose. 
and they did, but Clemson still got athletes back there. And the way – I mean, the way that Jake Bentley just diced up that defense was – I mean, it was it was crazy to watch. It was a it was a spectacle. I mean, it was something that we'll probably never see again. A quarterback throwing for 500 – I would have never thought I'd seen a South Carolina quarterback throw for 500 yards. I just – especially against Clemson. I, I would have never predicted that ever in my wildest dreams. But to me, more importantly, just the way that Jake Bentley and this entire team – finally showed maturity. They were able to handle the big moment, able to handle adversity on the road nonetheless. Um, they didn't come out too hyped. I thought South Carolina came out with a great game plan, came out very calm, cool, and collected. Again, no one is, is no one's excited about the loss. I mean, a 21-point loss is what it is. We lost. You lost your bitter rival. It absolutely sucks. But, again, I think if you're a South Carolina fan and you're not just a little bit encouraged from what you saw, especially from the offensive side, because, like I said, Tom, I, I think – I think Will Muschamp's going to get the defense figured out. And like you said, like I told you on Saturday night, Tom, South Carolina's just not playing with a full deck on the defensive side. I mean, you lose all the guys they've lost. You know, even the uh, the commentating crew, Steve Levy, and I forgot the other guy's name, but even they made a comment about how they had never just – they just never seen a defense take the blows that South Carolina has with all the injuries. I mean, you saw the injury list before the game, and then we find out that J.C. Horn is out. I mean – and then Danny Fennell tears his ACL a quarter into the game. Yeah, and Danny Fennell tears his ACL. I mean, the fact that South Carolina held Clemson to 56 is a minor miracle. I mean, to be completely honest with you. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you just have to feel like that South Carolina, if, you know, I, I don't want to play hypotheticals here because I, I'm not saying it would have made any difference, but you have to think that South Carolina, if, fully, if they can get everybody back fully healthy and with a good recruiting class of defensive guys, you know, if they can keep this offense up, have an ability to do some big things. So, again, there's obviously a ton of holes to plug on defense. Um, you know, the you know South Carolina wasn't facing a slouch offensively there. I and mean, we talked about ETN, Trevor Lawrence, all those guys before the game. But, I mean, you know, Tom, to me, to me, the bigger takeaway besides the stats and the 35 points was finally seeing a South Carolina team go out there and not play like the moments or the stage was too big for them. Yeah, I, I think you're you're definitely right there, and you're on something. And I think the biggest overall point that anyone can take from this is that the gap is still, I think, you know, there's still a gap between South Carolina and Clemson football, but it's closing and it's closing fast. I think it's closing a lot more, a lot faster than a lot of people realize. I'm not saying that, that Clemson got lucky with the amount of just absolutely star athletes that they brought in in the last five or six years because you have to you have to be recruiting well, and I think they've continued to recruit well, but. Overall, I just think that the gap's closing, and at least you know physically, I think with the athletes, it's going to come. But I think coaching-wise, it's definitely closing, and it's closing fast. And I don't know how really how big it is there, but mentally, I think next year is going to set the tone for the rest of the Must Champ era, however long it lasts. Because if you you get the hype off of this year's game, do you go in next year and you, you just poop your pants at home and you know not lay an egg, but not do the things you're supposed to do and not be competitive but and build off of what you did last year or do you you build off what you did last year and you show that you're finally ready to you showed, I think you showed the Clemson game you're ready to compete with the big dogs I don't think there's any there's any question in that and I think for this year or for this next year going forward you have to do well against Georgia and you have to do well against Clemson because I think that's going to show most recruits that hey we're we're here to stay and we're going to be fighting people to the to the, to the end and I think that's what what's most impressive to me is that even though defensively we were very shorthanded. Every one of those defensive players fought their tails off, and there's no question about that. And, I, and it just made me proud to be a South Carolina Gamecock fan and watch those guys go out there and just compete, you know, till the till the zero hit the clock. I mean, I it think, was like it, I was just gonna say it was like Coach Muschamp said. I mean, there are guys on that defense right now. They planned on redshirting. I mean, yeah. that's that's how much of a. Chris Jones shouldn't be on the field. I mean, he, he yeah. 
I mean, I think he's a guy that need, probably could have needed another year, but just because the numbers is out there. And, I mean, I think he's looked good, too. Don't get me wrong. I mean, yeah, he's going to be a very well. good player. But, I mean, just guys like that that you really don't need to play and that you really could have used an extra year with a red shirt for, but you just have to throw them out there. You don't have any other option. And, I mean, you think about, it, like, we're taking your running back and putting him on defense now just because we don't have the numbers. And shots I mean, I, I, I think they wanted to red shirt uh, R.J. Roderick. I, I really don't I think mean, they ever wanted so. to play him. I, I mean, I – I feel like early in the season, I feel like that was the plan to redshirt him. But, I mean, you lose Jemias Williams. You lose uh, J.C. Ebay, Nick Harvey. I mean, you lose. I think they said South Carolina, I think they said we were down six safeties. Yeah, like, when Jason Sean came in towards the end of the game, I think that we were yeah, I guess down. I guess Jalen Dickerson's not playing. I mean, you find out D.J. Wanham's not going to play before the game as well. So, I mean, what happened to South Carolina defensively Saturday night again? I mean, there are no excuses. South Carolina lost by 21 points. It is what it is. But. You know, again, you're not playing with a fullback. I mean, we all knew coming in it would take a miracle for South Carolina to hold yeah. Clemson under 40 points. I mean, we just we just did. We just did. Um, well, I think something that is – I think something that's pissed me off and pissed a lot of fans off, or Carolina fans, is that how Clemson fans are just parading on Twitter about how, well, South Carolina fans are happy they lose to 21 by the rival. And I'm like, well, really, if you think about it, we got stopped out of the goal line twice. That's 49 for us. You scored a touchdown with 50 seconds left or however much it was, and you really shouldn't have scored that one and taken a knee. So, if you think about it, we were really down by a touchdown. We should have been – and most people had us down. Like you said, the spread was 28 points by Vegas. And Vegas usually knows. So, for it to be that close with, you know, with a 28-point spread should have been shocking to Clemson fans. And I think going right. forward, you know, Clemson fans need to be ready for us coming next year because I don't think that – like you said, no one's happy with the loss. No one wants to lose to Clemson. But I think what most South Carolina fans saw that that gap really isn't as wide as it used to be and that South Carolina's coming. Like, we're, we're knocking on the door here soon. Yeah, no, I, I mean, you think it was a 28-21 game at halftime. Um, and one of the and, and one of the positions in the first half was the one of the ones we right. got stopped at the goal yeah. line, you know, could have scored maybe. And, and I like the calls, too, for the people that yeah, were Yeah, I totally about. agree. I like being aggressive again. You're a four-touchdown underdog. What do you have to lose? But, yeah, I mean, again, it, for me, it just goes back to, again, the offense was fantastic. I mean, like you said, Debo Samuel, absolute freak. I mean, he's definitely boosted his draft stock. Shy Smith. Seven oh, catches yeah. for 70 yards in the first quarter. Uh, it's great to see the way they were using it. He finished up with nine catches for 109 yards and a touchdown. Keel Pollard, huge game, two catches, 94 yards and a touchdown. A guy that I think – do a lot next to, year. I think you have to plan on getting way more involved in the offense. He's just a guy that's a gamer, hard-nosed, loves the game of football, and obviously has a ton of talent. I mean, you saw He's his – a winner, break, too. You saw his breakaway speed. I mean, the way yeah. he – you know, outran the Clemson defense on that long, the 67-yard touchdown. Um, and then everybody else on offense. I mean, the offensive line, we got to give huge kudos to them holding oh, yeah. Clemson to just just two sacks. I mean, we talked about the way the offensive line has played this season. I wasn't necessarily surprised the way they played Saturday night because they played so well all year. But to hold that defensive front at bay the way they did um, – you know, that was fun to watch. I mean, again, that I mean, was – There were multiple times where Bentley dropped back and was just clean for five or six seconds. Right. And that, and that doesn't usually happen against a team like Clemson ever. Right. And, and I just – and I, going back to kind of your point, Tom, you know, I, I think the thing with this game is is that there were a lot of – I mean, let's just face it. South Carolina had got embarrassed two years in a row. And, I mean, South Carolina came in again, a 28-point underdog. You know, Clemson fans making all the Jake Bentley jokes and making all the jokes about just really South Carolina's football program. I I, I said on the show last week that I don't, I don't think I don't think Clemson respects South Carolina's football program. I didn't I didn't think they respected them. I think if nothing else, South Carolina and I think nationally too because the game was nationally televised. 
I think nationally South Carolina might have earned a little respect on Saturday night. Again, it's a 20-point loss. It's not – but it's funny. There are a lot more national pundits calling out Dabo Sweeney for the, for the, the late score. And it almost looked like – you know, I'll get to my thoughts on it in a second. But it almost looked like a move of desperation because the way I look at it is that Dabo Sweeney – you're favored by four touchdowns. I think he knew you can't sell a 14-point win over South Carolina to your fan base. Because no. Clemson fans, I don't know if there was a single Clemson fan that came in this game thinking they win by less than 30. I just yeah, – I don't. I, and it's funny because I, I tweeted after the game, or maybe it was Sunday, I can't wait to hear all the Jake Bentley jokes this week because there are not going to be any. Because Jake Bentley completely obliterated, deleted, got rid of that narrative, that that – that stigma of him, you know, I talked about, can he break the hex of the, uh, the demons he's faced against Clemson? And I mean, what better way to do it than the way he did it on Saturday night. But I mean, I just think again, from a mentality standpoint, it gave, it's giving, it has given South Carolina fans hope that the Gamecocks, if they can put together a defense, which you have to believe that T Rob and Will Muschamp, they're going to get their guys back healthy. They're going to get their guys in recruiting. These freshmen are going to be a year older next year and a year better. I mean, I'm, you know, that that is, I guess, the one positive of all these freshmen playing is that they're all going to be, I mean, they're all going to be veterans, you know, basically veterans next year. They're going to have game experience. I mean, I feel like a guy like R.J. Roderick is going to be an absolute baller for South Carolina. Um, <clears throat> you, you talk about a guy like Ernest Jones, I and mean, he's going to be Rick Sandage. I mean, yeah, uh, I mean, that's like what had on there are all. a lot of star freshmen on that defensive side. So, I mean, you know, you have to be encouraged by that. But obviously, they're just being put in positions right now they shouldn't be put into. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the tackle, RJ, not RJ Roger, that Rick Sandage had on yeah. Christian Wilkins on the Clemson's second drive. That was a drive. big boy tackle. Yeah, that, that was, was a, a, yeah. I was like, okay, I'm here for Rick Sandage laying people out. Like, I'm ready to see this kid next year as a full-time starter. Yeah. And then you think a guy like – barely played, but like a guy like Josh Belt, too. So, I mean, yeah. there's a lot of good young talent. But, obviously, anytime, like you said, you have six fresh on the field, you're just at a disadvantage. I mean, you just are. Um on that side of the football, and you're going up, like you said, against guys like T. Higgins, Justin Ross, Hunter Renfro. But I will say one thing you said about defense, I do agree with you. I was extremely disappointed with Rashad Fenton. And that's a shame because he's a senior. Um, I don't know if the Fenton Island stuff got to him a little bit last year, and he kind of started reading his own press clippings and feeling himself a little too much. But, you know, and again, T. Higgins is a great wide receiver. He, he is an All-American caliber player, but – I expected a lot more out of Rashad Fenton. I mean, if you want to play at that level, if you want to be a, the guy, you got to be able to guard the guy. You got to be able to guard those kind of guys. And I mean, T. Higgins just had his, I mean, six catches, 142 yards in a touchdown. I mean, another guy, I mean, I, you know, we can talk about it. We, we've talked about it many a times, but I, Clemson just flat out picked on Keyshawn Nixon all night. I mean, I, I mean, I turned to you, Thomas. They're just, they're, I said, they're just picking on him. I mean, whoever, whoever he's guarding, they're throwing it to because. I mean, it was just apparent. He. I mean, we got to deal with him for what two more games? Like, it's it, no, no. It's, I, you, it's you know crappy, what? You know what the thing is too, though about Keyshawn Nixon. He plays all out. I'll give him that. Yeah. Like he when he makes a tackle, like he's all over the field. But man, he's, he's a old. kid who has heart and wants to play hard, but just ain't got the talent to be playing. And right now, honestly, so, I mean, again, J.C. Horn's hurt. I mean, but this game to me, again, it, it's. 21 I would have loved to see J.C. Horn versus T. Higgins. That would have been the yeah. matchup I would have loved Against to watch. Him. I think J.C. Horn would have done fantastic covering Hunter Renfro. Would have uh, made yeah. a huge difference. Um, I mean, definitely. Yeah, but, I, I mean, again, I, I just think that, you know, you have to take away as a South Carolina fan. There are so many 
it all comes from the offense, but there are so many positives. Because like I said before, I mean, it's finally the narrative that Will Muschamp teams can't score. I think he's finally gotten a guy in there at Brian McClendon, which they need to give him a huge, huge yeah. extension, raise, whatever, to keep him on South Carolina at least another five, six years. Because He needs to be in the millions for when we – Yeah, I mean, the, the job he has done, uh, you know, the – I. I I want to stress it again. The resurgence of Jake Bentley. I mean, the way the way he stepped up in the pocket a couple times Saturday and just delivered the football on time, you know, on target. Obviously, and you, you got to give some of that credit to Dan Werner too because he's yeah. done a great job. Yeah, and I mean, we've talked about it. I feel like we say it every week, Tom. But I mean, it's funny. I had some people coming at me on Twitter today, basically, and I don't know why this has become a thing on Twitter, by the way. But people, well, where are all the Jake Bentley haters now? Where y'all are singing his praises? And I had someone directly tweet at me and asked me if I wanted to admit I was wrong and all this. And, you know, I mean, listen, opinions change over the season. You know, obviously, I, I never stopped supporting Jake Bentley. We always wanted him to succeed. But I think what, what we got from Jake Bentley is what we all hoped would happen, is that he finally, I think, feeling a little – whether there was real competition or not, because that was one argument today somebody tried to tell me, is there was never any real competition. You know, Jake Bentley was never – never in doubt to ever keep the starting job. Whether that's correct or not, I think Jake Bentley just feeling like if he did not perform that somebody else could step in and do it or that the coaching staff, you know, would now have reasonable – a reason to be able to throw somebody else in there because Skarnicki had got the win against Missouri. I mean, it's not like he went out there and played poorly. I think him feeling that sort of pressure, if you will, or just having that – it was good competition. I think we yeah. – what happened is what we all hoped happened is that Jake Bentley took that competition on. Maybe he took it personally. I don't know. Maybe he, maybe he, he used it as fuel for the fire, but he has been a different quarterback since that happened. And this is the Jake Bentley we all hoped we'd see. And, again, it's all a collective effort. I mean, again, he got too much – he got way too much of the blame early in the season, but that just really comes with the position. But, I mean, it's been a collective effort. The wide receivers are playing a lot better. I mean, God forbid. They're catching everything. Guys are getting open. I mean, <clears throat> it was – the thing that surprised me the most, I think, is that how many times Jake Bentley was throwing to a wide-open guy over the middle. Yeah. I mean, not even close. I mean, nobody around him. Um, so, I mean, then Debo Samuel, like you said, just saving his best for last. I mean, 10 catches, 210 yards. That's that's absurd. I mean, three touchdowns, that, that's absurd. I, I mean, I'll tell you what, the, the play that I posted today for our Touchdown Tuesday on social media was – the one of Debo Samuel streaking down the field in that Emory and Henry formation that you talked about, Tom. Whoever 12, I think it's Kayvon Wallace, but whoever 12 for Clemson is, bro, he had no chance to keep up with Debo Samuel. I, that, that's probably the funniest part of the entire highlight to me is 12 is just – you can see 12. I mean, he is just sprinting with everything he's got. And Debo Samuel is probably three-quarters of the way running. Like, you're not even going to catch me. Yeah. It's just so funny to watch. But, I mean – Overall, I mean, getting to the, the the Dabo Sweeney, the whole end of the game stuff, I mean, with me, the way I look at it is that, you know, in the moment, it sucked. In the moment, I was pissed because you hate Clemson. I understand that South Carolina fans hate Clemson. I mean, I, I loathe Clemson. I can't stand them. Um, and I was pissed in the moment as well. But in the, in the reality, I would love South Carolina to run it up on Clemson. I mean, no apologies. The thing that irritated me about it and a lot of other people is that Dabo Sweeney pretending like he didn't mean to do it, pretending like, oh, I'm just handing the ball off. When we all know, <clears throat> we all know what the real, the real reason is. And I said that on my personal Twitter account. I said, you know what? 
I'm glad Dabo Sweeney ran it up. I'm glad he ran it in. Let's not, let's not pretend like we like each other. Like, Dabo Sweeney, you hate us, and we hate you. And we hate Clemson, and you guys hate us. So, I mean, let's just not pretend like this is some innocent thing that you just handed the ball off and we didn't – come on, man. That's absurd. We all knew the situation. South Carolina had no timeouts. You could have easily just taken a knee. No big deal. Ended the game. But like I said, I, I think Dabo Sweeney realized that a 14-point win was not going to sit well with the Clemson fan base because a 21-point win is not sitting well with the Clemson fan base. Hell, and the funniest thing to me, Tom, is that you're talking about – I want to get back to what you said, all the Clemson fans going around on Twitter and saying this and saying that. and You know, there. I, I said I, – I think I said Sunday that the – South Carolina fans being happy with a 21-point loss to their rival shows how far apart the two programs are. I said that was the worst take on social media right now. Yeah. To me, the funniest part of it all is that Clemson fans, what they don't understand is, like, the more that you're you're having to justify this win, to me, is just more reassurance that South Carolina is doing what it needs to do to get closer. Yeah. And it, because the only reason you would defend something – it's a 21-point win, but the only reason you would defend something like that is if you feel threatened. That's the only reason. And I'm not sitting here saying that, oh, that next year South Carolina is going to beat the, beat the shit out of Clemson. It's like, you know, I'm not saying that, but the gap is definitely closing. And the biggest difference to me, again, was the, the poise, the maturity of this South Carolina football team, finally being able to just handle the moment, Again, go on the road, face all the adversity you can. I mean, the, the offense going out there knowing they don't have a defense to back them up and still hanging in there punch for punch. I mean, again, it was 28-21 at halftime. I know South Carolina got down the third quarter, but you come back in the fourth with two touchdowns. I mean, <clears throat> you know, you really went toe-to-toe with the number two team in the country. Uh, let, let's, let's just call it what it is. Um, but, you know, the, the Clemson fans that <clears> – <throat> I feel like the more you have to defend the win, the more you are – you know, the more you're throwing your guard up, the more you act like it seems to me it becomes apparent you you feel like you have something to worry about. And it's just – it's been funny to see all of the – all of the Clemson fans on social media because I don't think South Carolina fans are, are happy about a loss. I just – you know, I know I'm not. I'm – I know I'm not. I was pretty dejected after the game. I mean, it just sucks. It sucks losing to your rival. It sucks losing to Clemson. I mean, we hate them. I mean, there's just no other way to put it. We hate them. So, of course, it sucks. But, I mean – as a realistic football fan and as a realistic observer like we are, you have to be able to take positives away from it. And I just think there were a ton of positives to take away for South Carolina moving forward as a program. And I think, again, nationally, I think they earned some respect. And I know that at any Gamecock fan that watched that game should be proud of their team because South Carolina, again, from the opening whistle and what I said that I wanted South Carolina to do, from the opening whistle to the clock at zeros, give Clemson hell. Make them, make them not want to go another snap with you. And I think they did that. I really do think South Carolina did that, especially on the offensive side. No, I mean, I definitely think you're saying a lot of the right stuff. And back to the um, back to the Dabo running it in late. I, you know, for next year, I hope that we're in the same situation that Clemson was this year, and I hope we take a knee and show that we're a better program. I don't think there's anything else to it. I, I disagree with you there. I mean, obviously, you know, you don't like Clemson, but I, I hope Will Muschamp just looks at him, just stares him down. We're taking a knee because that's what you do. You don't. You don't run that in there. I don't care what he says. You know, he's sitting there looking at him, telling him to hurry up and run the same thing. It's ridiculous. I don't. And I, I will say that. I mean, here's the thing. I'm kind of indifferent on it. I, I really am, just because. And that's a terrible place to be. I know, being indifferent. We're, we're in the hot take business, but I mean, that's the thing. In the moment, 
you want I'd love to pour it on but it it did scream desperation and it looked just it looked just silly it looked silly I mean you're the number two team in the country what do you have to worry about you're you're you feel like you need to put another seven on the board I mean it did it it when you really look back at it it's so silly I mean the way Dabo acted about it and yeah I mean telling your offense to hurry up it's just it's ridiculous. I will say it's just, it's flat out ridiculous. So, I mean, I, I agree with you there. I mean, again, I don't know. I, I'd be, I'd be content and happy. I, I'm just, here's the thing. I, I thought Dabo Sweeney was a scumbag before this game. I, yeah, I mean, that did nothing to sway my opinion. It didn't surprise me. Nothing, none of that. It just, it just reconfirmed what I already thought. So, I mean, yep. you know, I, I mean, but I don't even know. There's a, there's so many different takes on it. Like I said, you have a good opinion on I me. Mean, I I just I'm not surprised. It's a robbery game. I mean, Dabo. It, it, I said this before too. I think it's almost funny that Dabo Sweeney is so scarred from South Carolina beating him five times in a row that he he feels the need to do that. I'm almost flattered that. I mean, he is scarred. I, I, and the crazy thing too is that even after they had just won, we're hearing about the five bombs throw from Carolina, and it just yeah. it's wild. I mean. Carolina, that's the thing. God forbid South Carolina ever get to – I mean, this game, I think, again, South Carolina's closing the gap. And I think they continue – they will continue to do so. But God forbid when South Carolina actually gets a team that is on the same level or right near that level that Clemson's at, where South Carolina goes into a football game with Clemson, we have a realistic – like, the spread is seven points. Like, realistically, it's like South Carolina could, eat, could definitely win this football game. Because South Carolina is so deep in Dabo Sweeney's head, it's it's embarrassing. Oh, yeah, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I think Steve I've Spurrier never still haunts Dabo Sweeney's dreams. I've never seen a so fans are sensitive, right? Fans are sensitive. Fan, especially there are some on social media. We all we've all seen them. We all know them. I've never seen a coach, especially you know, because obviously we're recording this Tuesday night. Dabo Sweeney blows up Sunday night. They, and I don't want to turn this into a Clemson podcast, obviously, but just concerning the game, he blows up Sunday night basically telling Clemson fans, you know, for those that feel like it's a loss if you're not – and that was embarrassing as well, I thought, my It's just yeah. absurd. It's all absurd. But he's childish. I mean, there's nothing else to it. Like, he's people a kid, know what he but is. The fact that – I mean, here's the crazy thing. that I, It just kills me. It makes me laugh. Dabo Sweeney does not have Twitter. He does not have Instagram. He has no he's social media. He's got account somewhere. Well, he has no social media as far as I know or at all. And he consumes all of it, yep. which is the most insane thing I've ever heard. He consumes all of it. And I have just – I've never seen or experienced a, a more sensitive fan base led by such a sensitive coach. I mean, he he reflects the fan base. I, I mean, I really think that. I mean, it's just – the, the fan base God, reflects him. Yeah, yeah, but it, yes, yes, you are very correct there. I, I just, it's just, I, I, it's hard to explain. I mean, I've just never seen it before where a head coach, I mean, you're the number two team in the country. What are you worried about? Yeah, I mean, so, but nice. to me, again, for the South Carolina side of things, I, I think you listen, South Carolina fans, let Clemson fans make all the jokes they want. You're, you're happy with a 21 point loss. No, we're not happy with a 21-point loss, but the gap is closing. The gap is closing. Whether you like it or not, the gap is closing. And yeah. next next season, I mean, God forbid, who knows what will happen. You know, I, you don't wanna, I'm, not, I'm not making predictions for 
2019 right now, but Clemson comes to South Carolina, and I guarantee you, if you bring that same defense, it's gonna be tough for you to get a win. I mean, it's just it just is. I mean, and like you're saying, I mean, Brent Venables is talking about maybe leaving. I don't think he's gonna leave, but he's talking about it, and you know, obviously that that South Carolina exposed Clemson on that side of the ball. There's no question; they've got some serious issues in the secondary. Um, just my thing, my biggest thing. I saw somebody. I might have been. I might have said this first. I don't know, but someone. Just the thought that if Jake Billing can put five, ten, and five touchdowns on you, what's Tua going to do? Yeah, what's Dwayne no, Haskins going to do? What are they going to do to your defense? Yeah, and, and I hear that. I, the only thing I'd say to that is that the one thing that I, and, and it's, it's not because of South Carolina fans. I think it's more of Clemson fans. But I hate the ammo that Clemson fans get with. Oh well, all South Carolina fans are Bama fans. So I I don't even ever try to bring it up. It's just stupid. It's dumb. It's just a dumb narrative. It's a stupid narrative. But yeah, either way, Clemson in the playoff because obviously seven and five Pittsburgh is that's a joke. That's just yeah. What an ACC championship. What a championship game. Seven and five Pittsburgh. I think what? the tickets to that were like a hundred dollars, maybe max. And I saw they were like four. Oh well, there. Well, I just saw the average. Okay, it was the average price of a ticket oh, to that average, game. Average, okay. dollars. But the average price of a ticket for the Georgia-Alabama championship game is 770 Well, there's also so – someone sent this to us. Someone sent this to us today. There's actually a promotion for the ACC championship. Buy three tickets, get one free. I Damn. swear to God. <laughs> so, it's, I'll be it's in Columbia. Wild. Oh, yeah, same. But, you know, again, overall, I, I just – I've said it before. I'm going to say it again. I just tip my cap to Jake Bentley. Let's talk about the running backs, too. How about Mon Denson? I mean – who would have thunk that Mon Denson would be getting all the carries? He's, you know, we talk about that South Carolina doesn't have a true number one that can carry the ball 20, 25 times. You can depend on Mon Denson, 17 carries, 62 yards. And I mean, you know, he's not the most talented guy in the world, but he runs like a beast. He runs hard. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know if he plays hard. Yeah, I remember you probably saw the playtime where Mon Denson went in the hole and you saw some paint chips fly. I mean, that dude, he runs like a fullback. He basically is a fullback, but I mean, Give credit where credit's due, man. That dude, he ran his ass off. I mean, he, he yep. you know, he, he gave South Carolina, I think, what they needed in, in the run game. I mean, that's the thing. South Carolina ran for 90 yards, and that's – actually, you know, it's funny. That is – let's see. It, okay, so that's including Jake Bentley's negative 20 yards, his sack yardage. So, I mean, overall they ran for 111 yards. That's, that's no – I mean, that's not, you know, anything special, but – we talked about it last week, is that South Carolina just needed to have some semblance of a running game to give the threat they may run. And, I mean, 111 yards rushing against Clemson's defense, I guarantee you that's more than their average was giving up per game. So, you know, not I mean, not bad. Again, just that offensive line continue to block. But, again, I said it before, I said it again, just tip of the cat to Jake Bentley. I mean, he played so well, stepped up in the – you know, because I, I remember the one specifically, one of the uh, touchdown throws, I think, to Debo Samuel, was one where he stepped up in the pocket. Christian Wilkins has his hand up. And Jake Bentley makes a fantastic one on the I, money. Was that the Keanu Pollard one? When, no, that was when Wilkins was coming down on him from the back. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. There were, I'll just say this. There were different times. I, I don't know the specific plays, but where pressure was coming. I mean, look at the first touchdown. I mean, we that throw, I, I don't know how he needled that in there. That, that was insane. That, that was one of the crazier throws I've seen. But, yeah, I mean, I just think overall from the game, again, it's it sucks to lose. 21-point losses are fun. I mean, but – Again, Tom, you look at what you did. You have two empty trips in the red zone at the five-yard line that you could have converted into points. Um, Clemson scores a touchdown with 18 seconds left. So, I mean, if you if you adjust all that, if you want to if you want to play that hypothetical game, 
you can, but I mean, realistically, South Carolina was in this football game. And yeah. I think finally, again, we saw at least the question was answered for the short-term future and going into 2019 that can South Carolina show up in a big game because they obviously failed that test miserably against Georgia. It's just so nice now to finally – because, I, I, like I said before, I just think if South Carolina would have lost this game 56-7 to again or got blown out, the mood around the fan base and around the program would have been much, much different than it is right now. So, mm-hmm. I, I just, you know. I mean, there are multiple points in the Clemson game where we were down 21-7 to and I think 42-21 to maybe that we could have just – that they could have just given up, but they never yeah. did. And I think that's what most people are excited about is that we yeah. have a team that wants to fight now. Is going to do and they can to Fight win. the resiliency. And, again, I mean, you you have an offense that can play like that and you you know you're getting your quarterback for your senior season. I, I feel like Brian Edwards will come back. I just yeah. – I think if he doesn't, that would be a huge mistake personally. But um, – you're going to get basically – you're going to lose Debo, but, I mean, you're going to have all your playmakers coming back. So, I mean – and, you know, most of your O-line, all of your running backs, which is crazy to think about. Um, a guy like Keira Pollard's coming – or Keel Pollard's coming back. There's a lot to be excited about for the South Carolina offense. And like you said, with Dan Werner and Brian McClendon. I mean, there's a ton to be excited about. And, again, I think that Will Muschamp will get the defense fixed. I really believe that. Yeah. Um, let's move into our biggest takeaways from Saturday. Tom, what was overall – your biggest takeaway? I know that we're beating Clemson next season. I've already bet $100 on it. There's no doubt in my mind that as long as we have a decent defense and Jake Billy doesn't get hurt, we're beating Clemson. I don't, I don't care what anyone says. You can't tell me anything different. I'll tell you what. I'll take the spread for that right now because they'll probably make Clemson a huge favorite as of right now. I'll take the spread for it if they give it to me. Mm, I would <laughs> take South they, Carolina they literally – I would take South Carolina in that matchup like 42-28. I would, I'm saying two touchdowns. Be wild. Yeah, like that no doubt be, in my mind. A lot can happen, but that would be wild. Like, come um, to Columbia and let us cut your AWS word. Like, I'm ready for it. <laughs> a lot of passion for Tom this week. Um, <laughs> uh, my biggest takeaway from Saturday, just the maturity that South Carolina showed. They, I think that South Carolina – and it starts with number 19. Let's not kid ourselves. I talked about yep. it before that. I thought it started with number 19 when South Carolina wasn't showing maturity and was coming out way too fired up and was being inconsistent. Let's give all the credit again than number 19. It starts with him – you know, being a leader, being a guy that keeps everyone calm in the huddle, being that that reassuring voice. And I just think you see this team, you know, especially this offense, really answer the call. I mean, it's, you know, I think, again, they took a – the South Carolina program took a step Saturday night. It, it may not be, you know, the most positive thing, obviously, again, in a loss, but I think they took a step Saturday night, just showing that, hey, we – we don't need to be any more than who we are. We can play in these big games. We can go toe-to-toe with anybody. We got some things we got to fix. We definitely have some things we got to fix, especially on defense. But especially on the offensive side, we can go toe-to-toe with anybody. And I just think that South Carolina taking that next step and being able to show they can play in a very, very hostile – because you got to go to Athens next year. I mean, you, you think about it. you you got to go to Athens next year. South Carolina proved on Saturday night they can go into a hostile environment play their game, especially on the offensive side again. There are holes on the defense. But we just finally saw the Gamecocks go into a big game and not look like the moment. The lights were too bright. The moment was too big and just not look scared. I mean, let's just put call it for what it is. So, um, that was definitely my biggest takeaway. No, we're going to give out some game balls, though. I'll go ahead and start. Tom, I obviously left the obvious one for you. Um, uh, As on offense, I'm going to give my game ball to wide receiver Debo Samuel. I mean, 10 catches, 210 yards, three touchdowns. Absolutely fantastic night from Debo. I mean, just, just 
what can you say? I mean, like you said, I, I think he definitely elevated himself to being – I don't know if I'll say a lock for the first round of the NFL draft because I don't know the draft like that. I mean, there's other people that would have a much better idea than me, but he – I think people probably took notice Saturday night of his performance. So, uh, and, and really – the reason I gave it to him as well is just what he's battled through and what he's came back from to be on a stage like that and to perform the way he did. I mean, that's just an awesome yeah. story. And so, he showed he could play 11 games. Yeah. Oh, he did play the whole season. I mean, kudos to Debo. That, that, that's, that's an underrated storyline as well. Played the entire season, knock on wood, because obviously South Carolina's got two more games left in this season. But, you know, Debo Samuel has shown he is, you know, he has overcome those injuries. And it's just great to see. I mean, I know everybody's obviously yeah. pulling for him. Uh, and then defensively for me, I talked about him a little bit earlier. Defensive back, R.J. Roderick. I think he is a guy, again, forced into, forced into action early. but and a, and a guy I think they really did want a red shirt. But a guy that, I mean, he has not looked like a freshman to me since he stepped out there. I mean, again, Clemson got their yards. I mean, but R.J. Roderick is a guy that I feel like has a knack for the ball already. Is a guy that flies around all over the field. And I, I really think, you know, you're going to have some really talented freshmen coming in. Jamel Cook's going to be a guy that's going to have his eligibility back. He'll, he'll be back on the field. Guys will get healthy. I don't know if R.J. Roderick will be a starter when all that happens. I don't know where he'll fall, but he is he's a guy. I'm just saying he's a guy that's going to help South Carolina a ton because he, to me, he can play. I mean, there's no question. You just There are some guys you look out on the field and say, okay, that guy's a baller. Like, that's how I, I – when I look at R.J. Roger, I'm like, all right, that guy can play. He can he can play. So, definitely give my game ball to him for defense. Tom, who are you uh, giving your game balls to? Well, offensively, you left me the easy one, Jake Bentley. I mean, I think he was – I can't remember his exact statistics, but I know he threw for five, ten, and five touchdowns. If anybody would have told me that he did that before the game, I'd have looked at you and said, you're A, a liar, or you're B, you're, like, imagining that happened because I didn't never would in my lifetime expected that. I think he probably owns – he owns the record for most passing yards, and I don't know if it's most touchdowns against Clemson, but he has to be close if he didn't break it or at least tie it. But, I mean, offensively, I mean, he's he's he kept us in that game by himself. There's nothing else to it. He's proved me wrong multiple times this season in the second half. I'm not going to have anything but positive things to say about how I'm going towards the second half, this going towards the Akron game and going towards whoever we play in the bowl game. Hopefully it's the Gator Bowl, but – um. Especially towards next year, and I think you know you talk about Debo's draft stock. I think Jake just blew his draft stock through the water for net for not you know if he declares this year, I would be very shocking. But I'm for next season. You know if he puts if he puts together a really good year where he throws for four thousand yards and maybe thirty touchdowns somehow. I mean, what's stopping him from being a second or third round pick? I mean, he's he's only four touchdowns from thirty this season. I'd be kind of shocked yeah. if he didn't get it. I mean, I'd expect he's Saturday against Akron, he's going to throw at least three. So. Yeah. But um, anyway, I mean, I don't, I'm I'm happy that the guy's having success because he's a guy who, talent-wise, maybe he hasn't always been there, but heart and mentally, he's always been one of my favorite players to watch so far. And if I, that's finally translating the field is really really fun for me to watch. But um, yeah. But defensively, I'm gonna go just the freshman that we played defensively. Israel Mukwamu had a great game in limited action. I think he got hurt at some point in the game, and he came back maybe. But I think. I think he limited T. Higgins to one catch, and you know, next year maybe he'll get to shut him down and play him the whole game. But, you know, Rick Sanders, Josh Bell, all those guys getting to play, I think it's going to help them a lot. And next year and the year after that, when they're realizing these guys took it to us last year or our freshman year, so we're going to pay back them for everything they're worth. And I'm ready to see that happen, and I'm ready for those guys to come out and play really well next year. Yeah, no, I understand. Agree. Hey, just hypothetically, because we, we can play that game. I, I don't ne- normally like to play the hypotheticals and the what-ifs, but – in your opinion, Tom, if South Carolina has 
a fully healthy defense, everyone healthy on defense, again, just a hypothetical, does it change the outcome of the game Saturday? Um, I mean, I think you hold you hold Clemson to 42 instead of 56. I think you're good. I think those 15 players are good for two touchdowns at least. So, now, so it's winner, it's right at. I mean, it, it's it's something. It's it's right at a touchdown game. I mean, it, that, yeah. I think you. Were, it I think change the outcome for sure. I mean, and the thing is that you were a touchdown game if you convert those two, those two goal line stops. So it's like, I mean, you're really a touchdown game either way. But I mean, if South Carolina had those players back, man, it's hard to say they wouldn't have won. Maybe or it been a really close game going in the fourth quarter. Yeah. No. I mean, I agree. I like I said. I'm not normally a huge hypotheticals guy because, again, you, you can't play that. I mean, it is what it is. But it, it's very interesting to think about because, I mean, yeah. heck, even just having a guy like DJ Wanham out there. If, I, I just think even if you just had DJ Wanham and Jason Moore would have made a huge difference. Yeah. yeah I mean, would have made a huge difference. But, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, pretty much wrapping up the Clemson game. But I, I just think overall I'm very, very proud of the way South Carolina battled. I mean, yeah. that, that is – being Gamecock. It was, and again, I, I people can say what they want. Say, "Oh, you're happy with." And I don't. Nobody's happy with a loss, but from what South Carolina, can, I mean, obviously, this program again three years ago was a three and nine football team was falling apart. There was no talent, and I think Will Muschamp and his Will Muschamp and staff are building. Um, you can see it on the field. You can see it in recruiting. I mean, he talked about the the, the week of the game last week that they were. You know, he talked. They talked about the last time they went up to Clemson versus this time. Said there's no comparison. I mean, we're night and day better than we were and you know it was just really nice to see South Carolina go out on the field and prove that and not just to be coach speak so uh you know should be interesting you get another crack at them next year but um <clears throat> I think like you're saying Tom South Carolina will have have its chance to start a new streak against the Tigers if you will mm -hmm. um all right yeah absolutely so all right that leads us into obviously the makeup game South Carolina has a game this week against Akron the Zips um, 12 o'clock noon kickoff on SEC Network Plus and at Williams-Brice Stadium. Gamecocks open to this game, I believe, right at a four-touchdown favorite. The line right now sits at Carolina, minus 29. Over-under set at 56, which feels like the easiest bet in the history of the world. Um, these two teams have never met. Akron overall right now, four and seven, two and six in conference. You know, Tom, to me, I'll ask you this. Do you think this game – because this one, you know, I feel like Akron's above a level of Chattanooga. But this one, to me, this one feels like it's more, again, it's more about South Carolina and less about Akron. I mean, yeah. we don't have to sit here all day and break down the two deep for Akron and who plays this. To me, this is a game, again, you come out, you're a 29-point favorite. What was, the, what was the spread in the chat? I think 30. It was 30 or 31. It, so it's right at the same spread that that game was at. You know you're the better team. You know, this is a game where, again, it's way more about South Carolina. How do they bounce back from the loss to Clemson, which I think they bounce back very positively. I, I don't – I just don't see a scenario where <clears throat> there's any sort of hangover effect. One, because if there wasn't a hangover after Florida, I don't know if you'll ever have a hangover. But two, again, I, I think – I think this team is honestly upbeat and feels good at coming into this game. I, I really think that they're not happy with a loss, and I think they probably feel like they have some more to prove. But I think anytime you can go on the road like that and compete against one of the best in the country and, ex like we said, expose them on one side of the ball, I think this team is going to be feeling pretty good about themselves, and I think they're going to show that on Saturday. Um, overall, Tommy, what are your initial feelings coming into this game, the makeup game against Akron? 
I mean, there's not. I don't really think there's a whole lot to say. Akron's four and seven. They haven't done very well this year. You come out and you play the way you're supposed to, and you beat them by forty. Nothing else to it. Yeah, actually, they have. You know, it's funny. You take a look at their schedule. They, uh, you know, Northwestern is in the Big Ten championship. They actually beat Northwestern earlier this season, September fifteenth, uh, in Evanston on Northwestern's field, thirty-nine to thirty-four. Apparently, they ran back two interceptions for touchdowns in that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, since then. They've lost four in a row. They've lost to Northern Illinois, Eastern Michigan, Bowling Green, and Ohio four in a row. So, again, this is one that should not be close. I'm really glad that South Carolina <clears> – I'm really glad South Carolina did get the makeup game in. I mean, it's great to get – you know, it's going to be great to get that seventh win. Obviously, will help with the bowl projections and stuff like that. And, um, you know, another chance to just get a big win. I mean, I know that there's a lot of questions right now about attendance, which – the shout out to the guy Sam. I don't have your Twitter account pulled up, but shout out to Sam, who, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry, who tweeted about. So basically, the tickets right now they're they're really worried about nobody's going to be there. And honestly, I think the crowd is going to be really really light on Saturday. I think it's going to be close to like a a spring game crowd, if you will. But so this guy tweeted out. I mean, it's on the South Carolina Ticketmaster. You can actually get free tickets for this game through community outreach, is what they call it. So I actually got two. I got them for free. Um, I think they're obviously just trying to encourage South Carolina fans to go to the game, which right on, I think that's what they should have been doing from the beginning. But, um, <clears throat> you know, it'll just be nice, obviously, to get back into Williams-Brice one last time, send the seniors out the right way with a big win. And, you know, if nothing else, I mean, wash out the taste of the Clemson game. You know, get a big win and find out Sunday where you go in the bowl game. I mean, the one thing I'll say is that, you know, Akron's been – a fairly solid defensive team. Well, not really points. So, they're giving up 27 points per game, um, giving up 4.4 yards a carry. Uh, if you look at their average per game or rushing, so they're a lot better against the pass, I will say that. They're giving up 198 yards rushing per game. So, you have to feel like if you're South Carolina that – I am not. I don't think Jake Bentley throws for 500 against him because I don't think he play that long, but – you got to feel like, Tom, if you're South Carolina, that you can have another really, really big day on offense um, against the Zips team that, again, has struggled against the competition they play. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's it's Akron. Like, what do you, what else do we need to go, to go do? I mean, just come out and play. I think we're going to have a lot of success running the ball. I think this is a game where maybe Mike Denson goes off for 200 yards. They have a very poor run defense. So maybe it's a game where we finally have a 200 yard rusher for the first time in like would 20 you, years. Would you expect to see Deshaun Fenwick get back in? Uh, yeah, I, this is a game where I hope to see Michael Skarnacki, Deshaun Fenwick, all those guys. The carry on joiner. joiner. See, yeah, I, that's what I'm saying. I just, I really see this game following the same script as the uh, the Chattanooga game. That, it, that, very similar. It, it feels like it. it. It honestly even feels like the Chattanooga game. It's weird. I know this isn't a night game, but it feels like it'll follow the same script. You know, I, I think we'll see a lot of youngsters get back out there. It's funny. We're not really going to see any new youngsters get down out there on defense because if we do, they're going to be walk-ons. So yeah, maybe maybe Jason Sin gets back out of safety. Heck, I don't know. I'd love to see it, but. Um, yeah, I would expect to see the carry on joiner, Michael Skarnacki. Uh, um, I think this is a game, you know, Coach Muschamp talked today in his presser about J.C. Horn, said he was in a boot today, but they were hopeful he would go. Just shut him down. Don't even – Yeah. You know, and at this point, that's <laughs> that's a funny thing we can talk about. Do, do we take any stock in the Will Muschamp injury report anymore? I mean, nope. pretty much in my opinion, if Will Muschamp says a guy's doubtful, he's out for – three games i mean seriously i mean last week he told us he said jc one practiced tuesday and wednesday i mean 
<laughs> can't, I mean, I will say in his defense, J.C. Horn dressed out before the game, but I don't know if he, like, listens to his players too much. Because, I mean, what am I, what's the player going to say? Yeah, Coach, I'm good to go. Of course he's going to say that. He wants to play. But, God, it's just like with these injury reports, man. It started, obviously, this season with D.J. Wanham when he said, oh, yep, yep, Wanham rolled his ankle. He's back for Georgia, though. It's like, mm, yeah, so he's probably out for the year now. So annoying, but I don't. Yeah, I mean it, that is it sucks. It's like good God, like why didn't you just tell us why? And the thing is yeah. too is like why did we even bring him back for Tennessee? Like why didn't you just shut him down? I mean, God. I mean he's a difference maker, and I think you obviously saw that against Tennessee. Yeah, but I know, I know. I'm just at this point. I'm like, you know what? We have Akron in a bowl game. If he's not 110 percent with the bowl game, just shut him down now. Let's start rehabbing. Yeah. Why even risk it? It yeah. just seriously. Just, if you're trying to have the year on defense you want to have next year, have a bounce back year, you need to have him in the lineup. Yeah, so, he's got to be a part of it. Yeah, but like you said, I mean, you take a look. I'm, I'm just looking over the, uh, the Akron Zips, their, their stats right now. I mean, again, this is a game to me, Tom. It's way, way more about South Carolina and way, way less about Akron. Um, their quarterback, Cato Nelson, 52.5% completion percentage on the year, um, 15 touchdowns, eight interceptions. So – not great uh, they actually I was taking a look that's one thing I noticed they actually only average 20.4 points per game so this obviously you take into account the opponent but this could be a game for the South Carolina defense to get back on its own two feet build some confidence going into the bowl game and I think again this is a game where if South Carolina gives up more than 14 points I'd be pretty surprised I mean I know that yeah. they're not they're thin but Akron's not good. <laughs> so, those two things, something's got to give, right? So, I, I think South Carolina could find itself in a position to have a lot of success and get a lot of that confidence back. I don't know that they lost confidence against Clemson because, again, you have to just take into account who you're playing and the, the cards were, you know, the deck is stacked against you. But, you know, it means something to have success actually on the field and, um, and see that on the scoreboard. So, I, I think that's something they could definitely benefit from. Overall, from the running game, Van Edwards Jr. is a leading rusher. I think Will Muschamp, I heard him talk about him today, said he's like a really big-bodied rusher. Um, he's got 147 carries, 558 yards, 3.8 yards per carry average. Only three touchdowns. They've, they've only ran for five touchdowns as a team. So, I mean, you think they've only got 21 offensive touchdowns. That is hmm. – So, they've only got a fourth of that in one game. <laughs> yeah. That's rough. <laughs> that That's is – that is rough. So – um, then the leading receiver, let's see, Andre Williams, 46 catches, 649 yards, six touchdowns. So he's by – without a doubt, he's our number one guy. Um, but, yeah, again, I mean, not not to ramble on with the Akron Zips because obviously I don't think any of y'all really give a damn. But this to me, again, is a chance for South Carolina just to obviously bolster their record, bolster their bowl resume, really continue to build confidence and just – put another building block in what is the South Carolina program building towards the future. I really think that, you know, obviously getting that seven win mark is important than get, being able to get to that eight win mark um, with a, with a good bowl win, which I think they, if, if South Carolina's offense and it's about continues to play the way they have, that's something that could be a very realistic possibility. Um, again, Tom, not too much, you know, we're not diving into their specific players too much because there aren't really, 
you know, no offense to Hacker. I feel like I'm just being such it's a different. There's nobody really of note that I want to bring up. But yeah. uh, what's your key matchup to watch on Saturday afternoon? Um, I'm going to go with a crazy key matchup here. Apparently, A.J. Turner's been moved to nickel cornerback. So, A.J. Turner versus whoever he ends up having to go against because I would love to see that matchup. Isn't that, that – that's something I can't believe it took us this long to talk about. Isn't that wild? A.J. Turner moving to nickel. I mean, I mean he's I mean, been a beast on special teams. I put it that I way. Mean, if you think about it, if he does go to the NFL, he will be more of a DB and a he will he, he's not the kind of guy who makes a career playing running back in the NFL. He's a special teams guy. So if he goes out and shows that he can play on defense, hell, somebody might draft him. Dude, I need so he, here's the thing. I need AJ Turner to just like change his whole look up if he's gonna play nickelback. Like I need him to like have the gear. I need him to like change the helmet. Hell, he can even change his number for all I care. Like I he needs to be the first of the goon new goon squad. I just I need AJ Turner to be what if he just Goes out there, has, like, three picks. He's just, like, disgusting. It's like, what have we been doing? I mean, <laughs> his running back on the Jim bench. To, I mean, imagine if we move Jam Williams to running back and he ends up being, like, Deion Lewis or something like that. Dude, that, that's another conversation for another day. But the fact that Jam Williams doesn't touch the ball in offense kind of pisses me off. Or, but, or punt yeah. return. Just absurd. Yeah. But, God, I mean, yeah, I need A.J. Turner to, like, fully embrace the role of defensive back. I mean, yeah. <laughs> And you know what's crazy to me? I don't know if he played it in high school, but apparently Will Muschamp said he's been joking with him about playing defense for the past two seasons. So, he, so had to have played some, he had to play defense in high school. Had to. Yeah. So, I'll, I'll say this. I, not to spoil a listener question, but I forgot if it's a listener question or a tweet that I got. I think it was a tweet, actually. One of the tweets I got, I, I tweeted the news, obviously, Will Muschamp said that A.J. Turner played defense. The guy responded saying, well, he played defensive tackle. I'm like, do you know who we're talking about? He's a running back. He weighs like 200 pounds. What other AJ they've been talking about? (laughs) I was like, what are are you talking about? (laughs) Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. All right, so my key matchup to watch um, is actually going to be centered around one of the cool storylines of this game. Head coach Will Muschamp against the head coach of the Zips, Terry Bowden. So, I don't know if you knew this, Tom. Terry Bowden actually gave Will Muschamp his first ever job, a first ever coaching job, being a, a GA at Auburn. So, is, is he in your relation to Bobby Bowden? Yes, he's one of the Bowdens, yes. He's okay. Bobby Bowden's son, Tommy Bowden's brother. Doesn't, but isn't there another Bowden son, though, other than him? Tommy Bowden and Terry Bowden. Tommy Bowden's the Where? one that coached at Clemson. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, not oh, – yeah, nobody likes Tommy Bowden. Yes, yes. So, I mean, it'd be nice to just beat a Bowden just to do it. I yeah. don't want to just take it just, out on him. Beat him by but, 60. But, no, it's just – it's an interesting matchup. I mean, I, I'll uh, I'll put it to you this way. I think that if Will Muschamp, if, if his offense is at the 10-yard line with 20 seconds to go, I think he'll knee it just out of uh, respect for his friend. That's just my opinion. Yeah. But you never know. He might just decide he just wants to run up the middle and they just couldn't tackle us. So, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's what happens, I guess. Yeah, that's just what happens. But, now it should be fun to watch. Again, two old friends going at it. and um, Yeah, okay, let's move into biggest keys of the game. My biggest key of the game, Tom, simply just stay aggressive. Again, we talked about it. You're obviously the better team than Akron is. It's, there really is no comparison. The talent levels are different. You recruit different, different type of players. Um, to me, it's just all about staying aggressive. You know, don't get complacent. Don't get complacent if you go out there and – Get a 21 nothing. I'd like to see South Carolina just keep their foot on the gas pedal. Uh, as long as – I don't care who's out there, whether it's Bentley, Skarnakia, to carry on Joyner, Jay Yurick, I don't care. Let's stay aggressive. Let's continue to pour it on because I just think that this South Carolina team, 
you know, it's not it's not running up the score. I think for this team, it's building confidence. I mean, how good would we feel? I mean, I said before about the Chattanooga game that no matter how badly South Carolina beat Chattanooga, it wasn't going to give South Carolina fans any more confidence going into Clemson. But I feel like this is a game where if South Carolina can just come off that Clemson game and play well impressively again. I just feel like it's something that can really build a lot of confidence. And, you, you know, you say going to the bowl game, like, we are rolling. I mean, it is, nobody stopped this. Nobody can stop us on offense. You know, obviously we have our problems on defense. But, I mean, we're, we get some guys back healthy for the bowl game. We feel really good over the, on that side as well. And even if the defense isn't fully healthy, we're scoring at the rate where you're not going to outscore us. So, I, I think just staying aggressive, being able to pour it on, again, you know, being able to get a huge win and just build that confidence. So, Tom, what's your, uh, what's your biggest key to the game on Saturday afternoon? Um, start out fast. Don't have a hangover from the Clemson game. Don't think you're better than you are. Go out and play the way you're supposed to and put an easy victory like it's supposed to be. Awesome. All right. Well, what is a, I'll, I'll let you start. What overall for the game Saturday, kickoff at noon against Akron, your prediction for what's going to happen? Um, I, I just assume we're just going to beat them like a drum. I, I don't, there's no other reason for me to think any other, think any other, think anything else. I don't know why I'm retarded today, speaking wise, but, um, I'm going to go South Carolina 69, um, Akron four. Nice. Nice, by the way. <laughs> 69 to four. Yep. It's great. I didn't prediction. realize how absurd that score is, by the way. 69 to four. How do they yep. go? Two safeties? Two Come safeties. On the carry-on joiner's got the ball at his own five and tries to – Yeah, tries to do some crazy stuff. Holding holding insane. in the end zone. We'll say that. It's just holding in the end zone. Akron pins us deep twice. I don't know. What do you want me to say? Or we get two goal line stops and get safety on both of them. Okay, that'll work. All right. That works. Cool. All right. Yeah, my uh, my prediction overall for the game, like you're saying, Tom, I, it's going to be a blowout. I've got to score something like – I'm gonna. I'm probably gonna go too high just because I want us to stay aggressive and be that. But it, it could seriously happen. Uh, I've got South Carolina 56, Akron 10. I'll say 56 to 10. I think they will get a touchdown. But yeah, I, I you know, I, again, that that's the biggest thing to me. I just want to see because I, I, I think Jake Bentley and company. It'll be a 35 to nothing game, if not start of the third quarter. It may be at halftime. I mean, who knows? Um, but I think it'll be a 35, 38 to nothing game early in the third quarter. And I just hope that who, if we get Skarnacki out there, join – like I said, let's just stay aggressive. Let's keep throwing it. Let's just, you know, give those guys a chance, score some touchdowns. So, I'm going to say they do. And, like I said, 56 to 10 is going to be my uh, my final score prediction. So, again, if you have the opportunity, get out to Williams-Brice. I mean, again, I know people, you know, have their plans. And, obviously, this is a makeup game. And not everybody can attend. But if you can go – Definitely get out to the stadium, get out there Saturday. I actually took a, weather, a look at the weather report, Tom, and I'll, I'll look at it as it's latest right now. There was actually a 90% chance of rain Saturday. So that's the only thing I'm a little nervous about. I, I, if it rains, you can catch me watching this game in my apartment. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I really I really don't want to do a rain game. I'll be honest. I mean, at least with the Not Missouri high, game. Right. I have it pulled up right now for weather, and it says 100% chance of rain Saturday. Yep. Looking like an L to me. <laughs> Looking like a big L. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I just – hopefully it doesn't uh, – you know, weather weathermen are paid to be wrong, man. So, that, that's that's kind of our only hope right now. Yep. So, yeah, I'm just pulling it up. It's funny. High of 66, 100% chance of rain. <laughs> Good God. Yeah, well, yeah that, that's gonna that's honestly gonna be the deciding factor for me too. But either way, if it doesn't rain, hopefully, 
get out to the stadium, support the team. It should be a lot of fun. It should be a huge win. Let's get into some listener questions. And I've got an email real quick that I want to read. I, I honestly forgot to read it last week. I do apologize. But I got an email I want to read that I thought was really cool that came from, I assume, one of our listeners. I mean, I would think so. They, they had got our email address. Uh, may have came from Instagram, whatever. Yeah, no, definitely came from one of our listeners. So I want to read this email because I think it's a really cool email from a a lifelong Gamecock fan. I definitely think it should be read. It comes from Tony Duncan. Um, so, Tony, if you're listening to this, thank you for sending this email. Um, appreciate you. He says, let me preface by saying I'm 42 years old and been a Carolina fan for 30-plus years. I've seen just about everything Carolina can throw at you. I've been through the death of Joe Morrison, 0-21 seasons, and going winless in bowl games for numerous years. Not to mention I went through all that being born and raised in Pickens County and easily with my entire family being Clemsucks fans. He writes Clemsucks. And this was, this was sent during Clemson week, so that's why I may be sort of specific to Clemson week. But I'm saying all this to let the younger generation of Carolina fans know that all is well with our Gamecocks. I keep hearing this knee-jerk reaction about Muschamp and his staff, and it drives me insane. Mark my words, Carolina will be knocking at the door of an SC championship soon. We've got the players here, and we've got more on the way. As much as I hate to say it, look at Clemsucks. We owned their asses for five years, and they had two of the best running backs in the nation. Once they got everybody they needed, they turned into what they are now. We are laying the groundwork for great things to come. Chris and Tom, I want to let you all know that I really enjoy the Spurs Up show. I had never listened to a podcast until this week. My wife is buying me a solar-powered Bluetooth speaker so I can listen to you all while I'm outside working. Keep up, keep up the great work and keep Gamecock Nation strong. P.S. I'm buying my Spurs Up Show shirt today. Sincerely, Tony Duncan, old school tater hater at the bottom. Absolutely fantastic email. Baller. Fantastic email. Buying the Spurs Up Show shirt as well. I mean, just hit on everything. I, I mean, that's an awesome, awesome email. So I felt like I, I, we needed to read that. Tony, again, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you, and uh, we'll uh, we'll we'll keep we'll keep keeping Gamecock Nation at bay or keeping them at least sane through the, uh, to the tough times. So, all right, let's get to some listener questions. We took through our Instagram page. If you ever want to leave us questions for the show, um, we basically do like a Monday morning therapy or a Monday. We'll post the, uh, the question box, if you will, on Instagram or Instagram story. So if you want to leave us a question, we obviously really appreciate all those. Um, let's see. Let's see. Here's a statement from A.J. Bowers underscore 11. Jake Bentley had a hell of a game. A lot of people didn't show him enough respect. I think we can both agree with that, Tom. Um, I think he earned a lot of respect on Saturday. So we can definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, I already asked you this one. Ryan underscore crisp underscore JRC. If we had our defensive starters, what do you think the Clem shit final score would have been? And that's how he literally spelled it. Um, like you said, I mean, I think it would have definitely been a lot closer. I mean, I, yeah. it, it, that those starters would be at least good for a drive or two. So, yeah, definitely think it would have made a difference. Definitely. I mean, I would say something like 42. I think that's yeah. a lot closer. Great and Huffman, same thing. If we had all our starters in, what do you guys think would have happened? Okay, here we go. Judd Rupp. I'll let you answer this one, Tom. You already talked about it a little bit, but I, you, you, can, you can expand on it. How Bush League was it for Dabo to not take a knee? I mean – I, I think something that South Carolina fans would say that if we're on the other side of this, you know, maybe if we're running it in for a touchdown, I don't think South Carolina fans really would have cared. But Spurrier was in this situation multiple times and took knees every time. There's nothing else to it. And I think I saw some um, tweet somewhere, I can't remember it, but it showed every, you know, rivalry game that was played last weekend, 
that the team was up by more than like a touchdown. They took a knee when the last, they had a minute left on the clock. And Urban Meyer took a knee this weekend playing against Michigan. That's one of the biggest rivalries ever. And to think that Devo can't, you know, take the time to take a knee, like it's not that big of a deal to me. But I, I definitely get where a lot of fans are mad, but I've been on both sides of that. So I kind of I kind of get where both people are coming from. Like if you can't stop a simple play like that, then it's not really their fault. But when you're in that situation, you take a knee. I, there's nothing else to it, in my opinion, especially when you know the other team is so hurt defensively and that you've been able to just pound it the entire game. I mean, there's nothing else to it. He was saving face for, for Clemson fans and for recruiting that, to say that he only won by two touchdowns. South Carolina really you know, lost two scores in the, at the goal line. Yeah, and like, and like you're saying, to preach, you know, oh, the gap is still wide. We, we still – we own the state. It's not even close. You know, they're not even the same league as us, so – I don't know. I mean, to me, it's almost more amusing at this point. Like, I, I find – because you know what happened? Because Dabo did that, he made it a thing. He, he honestly made it a thing. And, and it's it's funny to me. I, I'm almost, as a South Carolina fan, flattered that that Dabo Sweeney felt like he needed to do that. I, to, 21 to, looks a lot he, better than 14. That he, I'm just saying that I feel flattered. He felt like he needed to prove something at that yeah. – like, what what – you're the number two team in the country going to play for the ACC title. If you if you really have it all together, what do you need to prove by, I mean, by running that last one in? Someone said this, and I completely agree, is that Clemson's coaches were just pissed off that South Carolina did what they did to Clemson defense oh, yeah. offensively. God, I but bet they, Brent Venables couldn't sleep that night. Nah, he probably was losing it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, cool. So this last question is awesome. Um, Chris underscore Griner. What's thinner, Dabo's skin or tissue paper? Uh, yeah, if definitely. It's double ply. Yeah, I'll go with Dabo skin. Single ply. I'll go with single ply. <laughs> I'm definitely going Dabo skin. By the way. All right, cool. Uh, we got a couple of voicemails. Not too many. You got you guys been slacking a little bit on the voicemails. Come on now. You got You got to pick up the voicemail game. We had a really. I I don't want it. I don't want for it to take an epic loss for us to get a bunch of good voicemails because that's what happened yeah. the last. You know, we lost Florida. We had, God, we had like ten voicemails. Um. We got two. They're good, but I'm just saying, come on, step it up, guys, with the voicemail. All right, let's go ahead and uh, listen to these real quick. Man, what a game for Jake Bentley. Uh, uh, this is Dylan. I uh, just want to, you know, say Jake Bentley had a hell of a game. Uh, defense obviously needs some work with uh, all the injuries and stuff, but, you know, disappointed in how everything came out, but uh, glad to see our boys finally fight. And, uh, you know, it was a tough loss, but good to see Carolina put up a, a good fight against the Tigers. Uh, I don't think they're a number two team in the country, but we'll see whenever Alabama plays them. Go Cox and see you next week against Sakharin. All right, Dylan, thank you so much for the voicemail. And, yeah, Tom, I think he makes a ton of good opinions or tons of good points, obviously. I mean, I think that's how South Carolina fans should feel. You know, proud of their team. Great to see South Carolina go out there and, you know, for most of the game, go toe-to-toe with one of the best. But I think the notion that most South Carolina fans, too, is that it's not good enough. We want to beat yeah. them. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. You can't be satisfied with losing. It's not, yeah, you're, that, you're that's what I'm – not going to go anywhere. Yeah, and that's the point I've tried to make, too, is that, you know – and the thing that's more so funny is that Clemson fans – you know, because I think South Carolina fans came out of that game feeling a little conflicted. You know what I mean? Obviously, you're pissed you lost, but I think everybody was just expecting to get crushed. So, for South Carolina to go, you know, I put out a tweet on Saturday night that I, I thought was pretty funny. I Very uh, low-key funny, if you didn't think it was funny. But basically, the tweet just said that, you know, 
if nothing else, there are a lot of people with shit in their pants in Memorial Stadium wearing orange and purple. Yeah. Well, well done. I thought that was funny. And it's true. I mean, South Carolina put the fear of God in Clemson. I mean, they, they did for, for most of that football game. I'd say for pretty much all that football game. Um, but, yeah, the notion that, that, that Carolina fans are happy with a loss is just the most absurd thing I've ever heard. But the thing about it is, Tom, the real, the real reasoning behind it all is that Clemson fans, because South Carolina fans are conflicted and they do feel like think positive things are happening, Clemson fans hate that, to see South Carolina fans with even an ounce of happiness after losing to them. And I think it's really bothering Clemson fans. I, I, I think Clemson fans the last two years really enjoyed seeing South Carolina fans down and out and basically go into hiding after that game. So, um, you know, not to get off on a tangent, but I heard a really good comparison. Um, was talking to one of my buddies. He compared it to the 2013 South Carolina Clemson game. It was the fifth straight win for South Carolina and Carolina won the game 31 to 17. I, I talked about it before. I was there. One of the best games I've ever attended, but in that game, you know, Clemson turned it over six times and you could feel somewhat of a shift in the rivalry that Clemson probably should have won that football game. Looking back now, obviously I would have never said it that night or even week after or whatever, but you look back, Clemson maybe had the better team. Maybe should have won that game. And I'm not saying South Carolina has the better team right now, but you can tell the gap is closing. And you can sort of – to me, that's how I feel, Tom. I can feel – you can feel a shift in the rivalry just a little bit. Again, I, South Carolina didn't win the game on Saturday. Hell, it was a 21-point game. But I can feel the changing of the wins, if that makes sense. You can, yeah. you can feel things are changing. Things aren't – and that's what I, we talked about, you know, getting – again, I'm getting off on a tangent about the Clemson game again, but – that's what we talked about we needed to see going in that game, and I think we saw it. I, I, can, I think a lot of South Carolina fans feel like, okay, things – the program isn't going in the right direction, and things are changing. You can feel that things are changing because that game Saturday night was not like the others. It was, it was not like the last two, and I, I think that's what we all needed to see. So, again, not to go off on a uh, – go off rambling there, but I, I definitely think that was uh, – a positive for South Carolina. So we got one more voicemail here. It's actually a really, really funny story from a guy, Peyton, that hit me up on Twitter. He wanted to make sure he got this voicemail in. Um, so just enjoy this story by Peyton. What's going on, guys? This is Peyton. Uh, wanted to revisit the question from last week about why do you hate Clemson? Well, I hate Clemson because their fan base is just the most arrogant, uppity, uh, self-righteous, and vain and people that I've ever ever known in my entire life. And uh, they're just intolerable. I've never seen a fan base have this success go to their head like we have seen. And to, to top it all off like I need any more reason to hate those son of guns, this weekend, they poisoned me. Yep. You heard that right. They poisoned me. Going into the stadium Saturday, we bought some boiled peanuts to go in and enjoy during the game, and we ate them in the second half, and lo and behold, I come down with food poisoning Saturday night. We head downtown and in that Tiger Town Tavern, and you can imagine everything that comes with food poisoning starts coming down on me, and I'm trying to find a bathroom in that place, and Tiger Rags playing, you can imagine, and that is just the definition of hell on earth. So, not only are they everything I mentioned before, but they're also people poisoners and this terrible human being. So, 
Do you need any more reason to hey Clemson? There you go. Go damn Gamecocks. <laughs> I don't even know what to say to that. They're people poisoners. <laughs> Peyton, appreciate the voicemail. That was so awesome. Love it. God, you can imagine. I loved it. He said, "You can imagine there's hell on earth." Yeah, living the worst ever. Clemson, they're people poisoners. Very good. Yep. So don't eat. Make sure whenever you go back to Clemson in 2018, don't eat. Or no, excuse me, 2020. Sorry. Sorry about that. Whenever you go back in 2020, don't eat the boiled peanuts. Don't eat any. Don't eat any of their food. Hell, don't trust it. Don't trust it. They're people poisoners. Thank you, Peyton. That was a fantastic voicemail. We need more voicemails like that. Call our not. Call our line if you're listening to this. Call our line. I'll leave the number. Heck, I, I always tweet it out. I always put it on Instagram. But call our line. It's uh. 843-790-3377. Write it down. Put it in your phone. Call us every time. Call us whenever. We don't care. Um, all right, that's pretty much going to wrap up the show. I do want to touch on a couple other tidbits because, obviously, we're we're sliding into basketball season. Um, we're obviously not done with football yet, but we are getting into basketball season. And I want to talk a little bit about basketball. Uh, I know I'm surprising you a little bit with it, Tom, but last night, um, we're recording this on Tuesday night, obviously. So, last night, South Carolina gets absolutely blasted by Wofford. A 20-point loss. I'm not sure if you had a chance to watch any of the game, Tom. It's funny. I was actually decorating a Christmas tree while watching the game. So, I was in the the, uh, the festive mood, if you will, um, transitioning right from Thanksgiving to Christmas. But um, South Carolina just getting absolutely obliterated on their home court, really embarrassed by Wofford. And, I mean, you know, I think this is just something South Carolina fans are going to have to kind of get used to for the 2018-2019 season because you got a team full of freshmen – Guys like A.J. Lawson, Alonzo Frank, Keyshawn Bryant, Trey Campbell, these guys that – It shouldn't matter, though. Yeah, well, and I'll just say this. When you're depending on those guys, and guys like Chris Silva, Mike Coatsar, and Hassani Gravity, your top three, and they haven't shown up, I mean, that's, you know, that's just what's going to happen. I mean, I thought last year's team was good enough at the guard positions with guys like Frank Booker and I believe it what was – Wesley Justice, that was his name. Um, or, no, Wes Myers. Wesley Justice. Wes Myers. Um, I thought they were good enough at the guard position to get away with it. If Chris Silva wasn't really on, because, you know, Frank Booker could get hot. And Wes Myers had a couple games. He was pretty good. But this season, I just – you're so young. and But I think you're going to see a lot of Jekyll and Hyde from this basketball team, similar to how they blew out George Washington like a week ago and then you get blasted last night. So, I just think it's going to be – there's going to be a lot of games where South Carolina looks like they've turned the corner and, you know, this team has grown up and matured. I think you're going to see some games where they look like they have absolutely no clue what they're doing. But, I mean, I definitely think the most concerning thing for South Carolina fans is just the simple fact that where is Chris Silva? I mean, I'll be perfectly honest, Tom. I, you know, again, I know you watch basketball here and there. I know, you know, really need – I mean, I, I'm not going to lie. I'm not like a diehard basketball guy. But, obviously, I do the Spurs Up show. I, I do it for the people, for the fans. I keep up with it. I, I You know, I'm a huge – I mean, I am a South Carolina basketball fan. But I will tell you this. I'm not a huge Mike Kotsar fan, and I'm not a huge Asani Gravit fan either. I'm just going to lay that out there. I'm really not. But when a guy like Chris Silva's not showing up, he's your all-SEC guy. Like, he's the dude. He's supposed to be your dude. Preseason all-SEC, and he's not showing up? I mean, South Carolina has no chance to me if he doesn't show up. Yeah. And, I mean, there was one point in the game last night where South Carolina had over half its points from off the bench. Its starters had made, like, three shots. And it's just – you just can't win that way. It's just – and like you said, it, it shouldn't matter. It's unacceptable. I know Wofford's a really good team, and they're a team that beat UNC last year. And, you know, they, they make the NCAAs. Like, they're a really good basketball program, but it, it – It doesn't matter. You beat, you beat teams like that 
for, for, you have teams like that, you schedule to beat them, so your record goes up. I mean, and then you yeah. lose. No, so yeah, you're home. right. You're I right. Mean, it's unacceptable. I don't care. I mean, and we've talked about it so many times. I'm sure we'll talk about this more later in the season if it continues to go downhill. But I mean, we're six. Is this the sixth season of Frank Martin? I think it's somewhere around yeah, there. Something like that. Right. It's five or six. This is Frank Martin's program at this point. I mean, all these players are his. It doesn't matter what you say. You can't blame it on you know the previous coaching staff. It's, it's Frank Martin's team. And to get blown out by Wofford at home is completely unacceptable. Just it shouldn't happen. I mean, in my opinion, when the new president comes in, if he has another down year next year, I think you could easily see him getting to camp. I just, I just. And you know that's the funny thing because I know I told you about it, Tom, and I, I think you may have actually witnessed it because you were uh, at our previous stop uh, when I released the article. But I mean, I released an article last season, you know, criticizing Frank Martin in the spring, and woo did the did the Gamecock Twitter. The sensitive people of Gamecock Twitter, did they take offense? Because I think we lost 30 followers that day, at least 30 to 40 followers that day. Um, I basically was just – honestly, if you want to know what the article was, I was basically just critical of Frank Martin because I think South Carolina lost five in a row, and I just said there were things that – I said that Frank Martin was to blame for the losing streak because I thought there were things that he could have done differently coaching-wise. I thought this team wasn't put in the best position to win. But – I'm not on the fire Frank Martin train. I'm really not. I, I, I think I'm not either. I'm saying that if he no, continues, to play I agree. Cold, no, 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 I'm, I'm getting that because I 100 nothing yeah, can do. Yeah, no, I'm getting that. Get to that because I 100 agree with you. I'm, it, you know, you know why the big reason I'm not on the fire Frank Martin train, and which is kind of sad, is that my expectations of South Carolina basketball just aren't that high. I wish they were. I want them to be. I want to have a good basketball program. I think. I think a lot of South Carolina fans want to have like a really good basketball program because to me it's silly that you look up there at Clemson, you know, how in the world does Clemson have a, a better team than South Carolina in a harder conference? Like, yeah, Clemson's over there making the the NCAA's. It just, you know, I mean, it generally makes no sense. I mean, in my opinion, South Carolina's goal every year should be to make the NCAA tournament. It's just yeah. not going to happen right now. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree, and you know, I mean, it's. You know, this team could turn around and not lose another game and probably still be close and not making the NCAA tournament. Yeah, I mean, so happens when you lose at home to Wofford by 20. I mean, the thing about it what is, is, what is Clemson going to do to us in a couple of weeks when we play yeah, them? It's in Columbia, too, December 22nd. I was actually looking at tickets today. Yeah, I mean, it, it's funny because Kirk Collingsworth is one of my good good friends, and I think everybody knows who Kirk is, but he's uh, his, his, his Twitter bio right now is beat Clemson. He said, I'm going to keep it up until either Carolina football. Carolina baseball or Carolina basketball beats Clemson men's how long do you think I'll have it up and I'm like we need baseball bad because <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I don't I'm not betting on basketball doing it and I mean you know we've all I'll just say this it's a long time to wait to the next football game so yeah I mean I it's frustrating man it, it's frustrating I, I I'm like I was saying I'm not on the fire Frank Martin train but I'm on the train where honestly if he got I'll, I'll even say if he got fired at the end of this season it really – I wouldn't be upset about it. I, I wouldn't care. I, I wouldn't. I, I'd be sort of indifferent. I mean, you had a job. I mean, and, and it's – I hate to put it this way because one of the most historical runs in the history of South Carolina basketball, one of the best times. I mean, we all remember it. But outside of a two-week run in March, what has Frank Martin done? I, I mean, you know, that that's the thing to me is that I like Frank Martin, but he's not above criticism. He's not one of – would you say he's one of the top five coaches in college basketball? I mean, no, absolutely not. No. If you're a top five coach, you take your team's SEC no. tournament. Every I mean, year. It doesn't matter who you put on court. Yeah, I mean, no. So he's not above criticism. I mean, I, even, at this point, I mean, at this point, honestly, is he a top five coach in the SEC? 
that's and that that's the thing that sucks is that you get to the NCAA tournament, the Final Four, and then the SEC is only getting better. So like yeah. you haven't even been able to really capitalize on it. I mean, you know it 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 sucks to me because it's like I'm trying to give Frank Martin the benefit of the doubt simply because this team is so young. I mean, there's freshmen all over the floor, and you're depending on freshmen. But it's like, why are your veterans not playing better? I mean, it just Coaching is about winning. I mean, if you really want to be taken seriously as a winner, it's about – I mean, you, you have to get a guy in there that can win. And I mean, you know, I, I like Frank Martin. I like what he's done for South Carolina. Obviously, the Final Four run was one of the greatest things that happened in school history. It helped out the university. I heard that the enrollment numbers went up and people – you know, because it, it's huge. I mean, getting the Final Four is a big deal. But, I mean – how long can he live off that? How long can he live off of that success? Because that happened two years ago. So, I think what you're saying, Tom, I think it's this year, and I think he gets one more. And I think if, if it goes south again next year, I just – Well, I think the new president has a lot to do with it because that oh, new yeah. president is going to want to come in and it, it's set their own – sure. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to want to get his guy. I mean, I, you know, I, I just – I'll tell you this. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm definitely not going to be leading the fire Frank Martin train this season unless things just go terribly, terribly wrong. Yeah. But, and I think maybe because I'm a little scarred from last year because I couldn't believe, <laughs> couldn't believe the outrage of the people on Gamecock Twitter, dude. It was nuts. It was nuts. If if you're listening to this and didn't see that, and if you're listening to this and you got upset and you forgave me, thank you. That's all I'll say. Because it's funny, Tom. It's it's funny that there are people that have me blocked, my personal account, but follow us. So I'm like, you realize it's the same person, right? I don't know. It's just funny. But, uh, yeah, it's funny. But, no, I, I won't be on that fire Frank Martin train this season, but I think next season things go south again. It's like at some point it's like, all right, man, we, we, have to, we have to make some sort of move because, you know, there's been a lot of talk about his coaching style and players don't want to play for him. And, I mean, you see South Carolina consistently getting beat out for recruits. And, you know, I don't know. It, it'll be it's interesting tough. to see for sure. Um, I mean, other than that – you know, other than that, I mean, I, I don't think there's too, too much to – I mean, you know, women's basketball is three and three, but I think this is going to be the down year, obviously. Next year's recruiting class has a lot to be excited oh, about. Yeah. And the number one recruit in the nation announces tomorrow at like 5.30, I think, Cal- Eastern Standard Time, but it's like whatever time that is over there, on not Right. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I'm a lot just, to be excited about with women's basketball for next year. Yeah, and I'm just looking. This is – Live, obviously, Tuesday night. Steven Garcia has not been drafted yet. Um, did, Orlando, did Orlando already draft? Well, so, I mean, there's multiple rounds. I mean, they've already drafted the first round. I'll tell you the first round. Um, these are going to be some names you know. The Atlanta Legends, the second overall pick, picked Aaron Murray. Um, number sixth overall pick, the Arizona Hotshots picked Trevor Knight. Jesus. Seventh overall pick, the Orlando Apollos. This is an interesting pick. Garrett Gilbert, who was on the Panthers roster. I feel like he was on the roster this year. Maybe he got cut. I don't know. Anyways, yeah, Steve Spurrier picked Garrett Gilbert. So, hopefully, hopefully, Stephen Garcia, hopefully by the time you hear this. Um, so, there's only eight teams in this league? Yeah. 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 It's a small league for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I thought it was a lot more than that, but obviously I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but no, but other than that, wrapping it up, I mean, uh, Tom, we miss anything? Anything else? I mean, obviously, women's uh, basketball again, three and three, but I think they'll get it turned around. But I mean, yeah, they're gonna be there. Other than that, there's no doubt. Uh, other than that, recruiting news, there are definitely some, uh, I think, some possibly some recruits that are about to fall. I know there's a ton of 
you know, uh, speculation with all the conversations that Ryan Holinsky has been having with Chris Steele, with Jaden Hill. Obviously, Ryan Holinsky told us specifically on Saturday afternoon that he had a great conversation with Chris Steele that morning. I know Ryan Holinsky is trying to do everything he can on the recruiting trail for South Carolina, but I think it's all just kind of wait and see at this point. I mean, yeah, those guys. I'm not going to follow the kid. No, no, I, those, those guys would be, those guys would be big, big, big time gets for South. Oh, yeah. They're guys they need. I mean, there's no question. They're guys they need, but recruiting, you never know. So, obviously, the early signing period is December the 19th. I'm very excited for it. We're going to have full coverage of it. It should be a really, really fun day. Um, we break down everything. But other than that, be sure to go check out our website, thespursupshow.com. Everything's up and running. Our store is also live as well. We've got all of our Spurs Up Show merchandise. Viva Garcia t-shirt is still live. The Earthquake, uh, Jungle Boy swag, all of it. We've got a ton of stuff. Be sure to go check out thespursupshow.com for all of our content, our store as well. We're going to be adding a lot of new stuff. Again, there are tons of new announcements to come as well. And other than that, yeah, I think no interview this week. Unfortunately, our guest couldn't line it up again. Um, or not again, couldn't line it up. I tried to get him on last week. He was unable to do it. Tried to get him on this week. He was also unable to do it. So a full episode of you guys just listening to me and Tom ramble. So no guests this week. We will have a guest again starting next week all Gamecock guests from now on we made the decision we're not going to do any mother any really any other outside unless it's kind of like a national college ball writer or national writer or something like that but we're going to pretty much stick to all Gamecock guests I know you guys want to hear from former Gamecocks we obviously love talking to former Gamecocks so I think we're going to stick with our bread and butter there but other than that um Tom if that's it you got anything else any last words uh, no go Cox all right go Cox and D we'll see you guys at Williams Bryce Stadium as long as the rain rolls off that. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We will catch you next week. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.